Well, good morning, Contact family. We're starting a new series today that's going to take us through the month of September. It's called Unrest. When you think about it, put the word un in parentheses and capitalize the R in rest. So we've got the idea of unrest, and we've got the idea of rest also in this. You guys exhausted? I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit worn out from what's been going on around us. You know, we're we're wearing masks, and it's not comfortable. We're having church outside, and we wish we were in the building, especially on days when it's warmer. It might get real nice. We might actually really like it here in the next few weeks. But there's all these things that have changed, and and it's wearing us out. And we hear all these different statistics, all these different facts, all these different spins on things. And we're getting tired from it. And, and in the midst of that, and because of that, in a lot of ways, we're in the midst of a recession. And economics are not good. There's people who are getting evicted from their homes. There's people who are losing jobs. There are all kinds of financial struggles and fear going on. And that's exhausting. And in the midst of that, we've also got all of these things with racial injustice. And, and recognizing that for centuries... We made choices as a country, certain groups of people, especially black people, and now we're looking at how we are paying for those sins and still committing them. And it's hard, and it's tiring, and we're getting exhausted as we watch people die time and time again or be hurt in ways they shouldn't. And on top of that, we've got an election coming up, and things aren't polarized at all, right? Everything's polarized. Everything, even being kind to others, has become an issue of politics at different times. And things that that shouldn't be that way. And everything just makes us tired as we turn on the news and everything we watch. And then on top of all that, some of you guys have kids that are in school. And you are really going to be excited to send them to school. But instead, you're now homeschool teachers. And we're doing virtual school, and we're not sure how well that's really working, and it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. And we're looking at all these ways. We're trying to find answers to things. We're looking at, at maybe it's a celebrity preacher who thinks he has the answer for why everything's happening. And I'll tell you the truth, most of them are, are not in their Bible the way they need to be. Or, or maybe you're looking on social media to try to find the truth about what's actually happening. And what you're actually finding is a bunch of conspiracies and lies and not what is actually true. Social media is not a good place for answers. There's a lot of people with as much knowledge as I've got about quantum physics trying to give you answers for things. Maybe you're trying to look at politics and thinking that if we just vote for the guy that's already in office or if we just vote for the guy who's not in office, everything's going to be solved. I don't think that's where the answer is either for all the things that are going on. Or maybe you say, this is just too much. I got to check out. I got to go. I'm going to ignore all of it. Ignorance is bliss. I'm going to pretend like nothing's going on. But that doesn't quite work either, does it? There are a lot of big issues going on. And there are a lot of things that require very complicated solutions to very complicated problems. But in the midst of it all, there's only one place we can go to center who we need to be. 
and to find out the way forward. And I'm going to tell you, and you know what the answer is going to be because we're here at church, is that we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. We need to follow Jesus in all of this. As we set our priorities, as we set how we're going to be aid with others, as we set how we're going to listen to what's going on from people who are wiser than us, we need to follow the example of Jesus. But how do we do that? Just saying I'm going to follow Jesus is a little bit easier than it doing it in practice, right? So what we're going to do is over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four stories from the Gospels that highlight Jesus doing that our culture does not prioritize or prize, and that is Jesus resting. Jesus resting. You see, rest allows us to properly engage the world. Tell me, when you are very tired, what are your interactions like with other people? Yeah, are they, are they extra good and extra nice and extra sweet and extra thoughtful? No, we're cranky. We do things that we wouldn't normally do in other situations. Situations, We're off-center. And if we want to properly engage the world around us in the name of Christ, we need to not just get some sleep, watching this tent about to fly away around me. We need to not just get some rest, but we need to rest in Christ by having a deep relationship with Christ. How are we going to know how Jesus would have if we don't know Jesus deeply, right? We can't just say, what would Jesus do, and then make up whatever our own answer is for what we would do and say, yeah, I'm sure Jesus would have done that. No, we got to actually know what Jesus would do and follow Jesus. It's important that we see when he's resting. So we're going to pay attention to the context around when he rests to see when Jesus recognizes he needs to take a little break. You see, the rhythms of Jesus' life gave him physical and emotional endurance, a connection with the Father, preparation for what was to come, and clarity of purpose. Let me say those again. Jesus' rest gives him physical and emotional endurance, connection with the Father, preparation for what is to come, and clarity of purpose. And these are all things that we also need for the way that we're going to interact with the world around us and for each other. So this first week, we are going to talk about what might seem like the most basic idea of rest, but something that I know a lot of folks still struggle with, and that is sleep. Anybody here ever have trouble sleeping? Yeah just almost every other night, if not more, right? The most natural way we rest is sleep. It's the one that God programmed us with from birth. How many of you had to teach babies how to sleep? Yeah, okay, one. They might not have slept the way we wanted them to, but they found time when, when we were saying, no, not for you to sleep. You ever have a kid in the car seat driving home and they fall asleep? about 30 yards from your house. That's not what I wanted you to sleep. I wanted you to sleep 60 minutes ago. Come on. All right. But kids need big amounts of sleep, right? Kids need to sleep a lot. Teenagers need to sleep a lot. Babies need to sleep a lot. What's going on with them? They're growing. They're developing. 
they're maturing, their bodies are changing. And even as adults, we need a lot of sleep too. Now it's interesting, here's the thing, I, I love science. Science is wonderful. All truth is God's truth. We can trust the majority of science that's going on. One thing that's really interesting is that scientists do not quite understand why our bodies need to sleep. Now, they know the effects of sleep, and they know what happens when we don't sleep, but it's unclear physically why anything needs to sleep. But it's built into us from birth. You see, two things that they're sure about that do happen when we sleep. The first one, and this comes from a popular science article by directly, is it helps us to repair and restore our organ systems, including our muscles, immune systems, and various other hormones. So, you know, we talked about how we're not always ourselves, right? But we don't get enough sleep. And then we go to sleep and we feel, what are words we use for sleeping? I feel recharged. I feel refreshed. I feel better. A lot of things. Well, there's actually healing going on while we're sleeping. So we need this because there's things in our bodies that are always breaking down. And when we sleep, a little bit in some of those places gets repaired. Second is, it plays a crucial role in memory helping us retain what we learned at work or school for later use. So healing our body, improving what we're remembering. There's a study, uh, study done over some kids that were taking a test. One group of kids took, studied at 9 a.m. and took the test at 9 p.m. The other group studied at 9 p.m., slept, and, took and they studied less. Which group did better? The ones that slept. The ones that slept because of the way that sleep takes the things that we're learning and helps us to sink, let them sink into our body. So sometimes we just need to sleep because of that. Okay, so let's look in the Word. If you got your Bibles, if you got your phone Bible, whatever you got, we're going to be mostly in Matthew chapter 8 today, but I want you to turn back to the very end of Matthew chapter 4 first. And what we're going to do is we're going to be building up towards our story today by quickly... And you guys are like, I don't believe you. I was here for the prophets' sermons. I don't believe you're going to go quickly. We're going to go quickly through a lot of verses that are kind of transitional verses in these stories that will help us understand what all Jesus had been going through before the story we're going to get to. So if you'll start, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verse 25 is our first verse. It says... Matthew chapter 4, verse 25. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region around the Jordan followed him. Keep on going to the next chapter, about chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw those crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. All right, what's, what's your Bible heading say is right here? This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We read this a couple weeks ago. So Jesus sees this big crowd. He goes up on the mountainside. And he starts to teach, and he teaches this very long, very important sermon, Sermon on the Mount. All right? Now, flip forward to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. A few chapters later, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, he's just finished the sermon, and now it's saying he's coming down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. What's your heading say is going on? Jesus heals the, the leper. So there's a guy with leprosy, and as soon as he's done preaching the sermon, he comes down the mountainside, this guy comes up, and he needs to heal him. He heals the leper. Verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. 
Okay, so he's come down the mountain and he's headed back into town. So he's gotten right into Capernaum and what's going on? Another guy comes and needs his servant to be healed. So what's your heading say there? Jesus heals the centurion's servant, right? Okay, so second healing. Keep on going. Verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, so he's headed to where Jesus has been crashing the last few nights because Capernaum is his home base for his ministry. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So what does he do next? He heals Peter's mother-in-law. Then a whole bunch of crowds gather around him. Verse 16. When evening came, he'd been healing all day. Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. So what's he do next? Still on the same day. It's, it's evening now. Okay, a few more things happen. Verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. You guys, it's time to get out of here. There's been a lot going on. So what happens in the next verses after that? Is then these people come to Jesus saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And he says, I don't think you're actually going to follow me. So this is on the way from Peter's mother-in-law's house to the boat on the sea. More and more people come up to him. Finally, we get to verse 23, and here's our story for today. Verse 23, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Why do you think Jesus was sleeping in the middle of a storm? He was tired. That's right, Sebastian. He was tired. He had been preaching and healing and driving out demons and doing all this other kind of stuff all day long, and he was tired. And so what did he do? He went to sleep. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human. And what do humans do? We get tired, and we need to go to sleep sometimes. And when we try to keep on staying up and up and up, Things don't go well, do they? He had been in the middle of all this. And you see, after this after this story, he's going to get to the other side of the lake, and he's going to end up healing another guy with demon possession. And so it just doesn't stop for Jesus, and he keeps on engaging. He fully is engaging in the hurt and the struggle and the need and the chaos that is going on around him. He's not hiding from that. He is fully engaged with it. But he also finds the proper time. He finds the time when he needs to pull back. He finds the time when he knows, I've got to go to sleep. I've got to go to sleep. And so he goes to sleep. Now let's go back into our story for a second, because there's something else going on here we need to handle. You see, we resonate with those disciples, don't we, who are in the middle of the storm. And if you look at your next verse, who are terrified, right? You think they're scared in the middle of the storm? Absolutely. Let's be honest. Every once in a while, we feel like Jesus is asleep too, don't we? Sometimes we're going in the middle of something and we say, Jesus, where are you? Why are you taking a nap right now? What's going on? Verse 25. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. The 
men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. For the disciples in the boat, Jesus' very presence, awake or asleep, them, right? His presence was safety. But they didn't see that. What did they see? They saw the storm. Is the storm real? Yeah, the storm is real. Is it potentially destructive? Absolutely. We're about to lose our camera when this pavilion comes and hits it because the wind's blowing, right? The storm is destructive and it can hurt us. In fact, it could potentially kill us. Is it more powerful than Jesus? Not chance. Maybe it doesn't feel sometimes like you can sleep because you're trying to find a way to control the storm, to control the pandemic, to control the election outcome, to control that we're seeing around us. Now here's the thing. Jesus engaged the world. I believe we have a responsibility to engage with the world and what's going on around us. We are not to build a moat around this building and stay in here and defend anyone from coming in from the outside, right? Go into all the world. We, we must go and meet people where they're at. If they're in hurt, if they're being broken, if the systems of the world are oppressing them, we go and we serve and we bring Jesus. Jesus engaged the world and Jesus engaged the storm. He transferred, in fact, his own rest, his sleep. The waves, peace, be still. It's not that we don't need to be present and we don't need to stand up for what's right. But what we must remember is our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus, the calmer of the storms. So here's your challenge for this week. It might be a really hard one. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Take a break from trying to control everything. Take a break from social media one night. Take a break from TV. Take a break from whatever's on your phone. Take a break from whatever else. That doesn't mean ignore your responsibilities. You might have to plan out three hours in advance how you're going to be able to go to sleep. But make some time for some extra sleep at least one night this week. Call it early. Go to sleep. And what I want you to do is go to sleep in the knowledge that Jesus is in the storm with you. And Jesus, and only Jesus, you across the lake to the far shore. Every other boat that we try to put ourselves in is going to sink in the storm. Everything else we might try to put our hope in is not going to make it to the other side. Jesus and only Jesus is going to take us there. We might be living in the middle of unrest, but Jesus is our rest.
you need any special prayer, you want to say yes to following Jesus wherever he leads, sometimes even into the middle of storms. If you need anything this morning, then come on, let's talk about it as we stand and as we sing.